Oh, God, I love it. beginning, Mike couldn't control himself. Control himself. Said, I, I love said, it gently. I love it gently. The, oh, which one of you is listening yeah, to oh, us? Which one of you is listening to us? You ask that, us every week. That, 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 there we that, go. Maybe. Oh, there we go. There. Oh, it's still there. Anyone? Oh, boy. Bueller? Oh, boy. Bueller? Oh, Beth, it has to be you because oh, Mike, Mike is echoing too. Oh, well... We'll have to talk about that later because I'd have to ask a lot of really dumb questions. Um, more than usual. So, hang on. So, I'm going to try one thing and see if it works. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely you. See if you're just not listening I'm to not us on muted. the background or something. But I unmuted you now, so you can speak again. Um, we. First of all, welcome. This is Bantering the Blue Shirts. I'm your host, Joe Fortunato, joined Hi. as always by my co-hosts, Michael Murphy and Beth Macklin, who are both exceptionally smart hockey people. I also apologize in advance. My wife is going to come home at some point. I'm going to say in the next 20 minutes, and the dog is going to go crazy. Um, I'll do what I can to, to keep the noise down. Um, we were talking before the show, as we always do, and we have elected to not really spend all that much time on a certain Mr. Vigneault, who uh, is not a good thing right now. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to him at some point as we discuss other things, but um, I'll, I'll give you my quick thoughts, and then I'll let Mike give his quick thoughts, and then Beth can give her quick thoughts. We are... Six game or six, excuse me, we're seven games into the regular season. The Rangers have one win, and I don't think any of us, even in our most pessimistic moments about this hockey team, would have assumed that that was going to be the case. So there's that. And I guess my short form response on this is: we have seen this movie before. We have seen these ridiculous lineup decisions before. We've seen this developmental problem before. And we are watching it again for the third straight year. And that's giving him a pass on 2015. So, you know what? Instead of going through all that, let me ask a different Vigneault question. Are we of the belief that his seat is finally hot for real, Mike? I'm still trying to figure out if he was coughing or threw up the other night. I think he, um, I think he puked. That's really what I want to know. Elliot Friedman did a, uh, in his 30 thoughts, he did, he mentioned that he'd never seen Vigneault look more stressed. And I think that's a pretty good example of that because you normally don't see things like that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it was, it was something, uh, I will just quickly say this before, well, I, I, I guess I'll just say this. I'd like to think that his seat has to be hot because... 
I don't care how much, you know, how much love Gorton and the front office has for him. You know, he, if you have this team and you're a one, five and one and, you know, the Rangers made aggressive moves and they still consider themselves to be a, you know, a Stanley cup playoff team. You have to be, someone has to be held accountable. And oftentimes coaches get the credit when they don't deserve it. And they often get criticism when they don't deserve it, but there's enough breadcrumbs here to make it very clear that Vigneault has been at least, you know, one of the main actors here and things going wrong for the Rangers. Uh, so yeah, I'd like to think he has, he has a hot seat now. The other, the only other thing I wanted to say about him is I paid close attention to him in the, in the Penguins game, uh, right. You know, en- enough so that I caught him throwing up and made Shana make a gif about it, which made me immeasurably happy, uh, which is not a good sign of my mental health. But uh, I noticed that every time he cut, they cut to Vigneault on the bench, he never talks. He's never, like, actively coaching. He's never saying things. Uh, like, you'll see Arneal and, and, you know, Ruff say things and coach and, you know, put their shoulder on a guy, put their hand on a shoulder, on a guy's shoulder and talk in his ear and do coach things. But Vino is just, you know, arms folded across his chest, just chewing gum the whole game. So maybe there is something with that with Friedman is that, you know, Vino is not really an animated coach behind the bench in the first place, but uh, he really doesn't look thrilled with how things are going. And that's not a good sign for him and his job security, I think. Beth? Yeah, I thought he looked sick last night even before uh, what Mike noticed and then we all saw. I thought his hair looked grayer all of a sudden. I mean, I've been watching this season and it was only last night that I was like, damn, did he go gray or white even overnight? Yeah, he did not look like a well man. Um, And, (laughs) you know, not wishing health problems on anyone. But I'd have to believe that this has been, you know, this has been noticeable. These have not been good games. There was a lot of money spent this summer. There were things given up, um, you know, and that's still fresh in everybody's mind. It's not like having a bad streak midseason or something. Um, so, yeah, I can't I can't imagine that that seat isn't warming up. Um, and, yeah, Mike, I agree with what you say. I mean, Lindy Ruff seems to be a tapper and a whisperer and a talker. Um, yeah, it right. It makes it out more that AV is just sort of standing sphinx-like with his arms across his chest um, at a time when you'd really think, you know, maybe your style isn't working. Maybe they need to hear your voice. Maybe something needs to happen. So, yeah, I something's got to give here. And, and that kind of becomes the next question. Al Troutwig, of all people, because you really don't, and that's not this comment is now unfortunately going to come off as anti-Altrawig. It's not. It's just the reality is you really don't hear MSG broadcasters um, question things very often. But he said, you know, at what point is Vigneault's message stale? And for they, he, the normal 
I guess, benchmark of this type of question comes when somebody has been with the team for three years because you've had three years with the team. You know, your, your message is the same message for the past three years. That's when you see stuff like this come about. But as it stands right now, it is a logical question. Is Vigneault, you know, is his message stale? Because this team does not look the way they should at all. And I guess this is going to be our path to get away from Vigneault specifically. Uh, I don't think the Rangers are nearly as bad as they've looked. I, I also think the Rangers can be really good this year. I think you saw the best of what the Rangers have to offer in the second period against the Penguins, where the power play was kicking. The Rangers just absolutely took it to Pittsburgh. And this team showed life that we have not seen to this point. But to get from there, from what they did in the first period, which was like having the three of us on the ice, that takes a lot of effort. And this is another thing that is not new when it comes to a Vigneault coach team. You almost got me with that one, Mike. You almost got me with that one. Um, my God, when is that from? I'm posting this on no the Patreon idea. page later. This is an old Al Troutwick photo. It is incredible. Um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I was talking about, oh, that this oh my kind of stutter step, false step in the first period, find it once their backs are against the wall and try to figure it out from there. And, and that has not worked in the past. And it's something that kind of bit them in the playoffs and uh, among other things. So when you take a look at where the Rangers are right now, are they that much better than they were last year? No, but should they be? And I think the answer to that is yes. They took a lot of risks this summer. I was on uh, Blue Shirts Breakaway on Tuesday? Yesterday? No, Monday. And they were talking about it's another Rangers podcast. If you don't listen to it, uh, they're pretty good guys and uh, the show is really good. But they were talking about Vigneault specifically and I was trying to explain that there is at some point we need to agree that Gordon is complacent to at least some of these moves that are happening. And this is another problem that we're going to have to walk down the road because Vigneault didn't send Heedle down to the minors. Um, there's no way that Gordon doesn't know that he's healthy scratching Smith for two games in a row um, or Bucinevich is going to be on the fourth line. These things aren't a surprise. So you look at that and you say, we've seen this movie before. Like I said before, the Rangers have played this type of hockey before and they're not getting any better. So something has to give. And against the Penguins, I thought the Rangers were going to get there. They're due for that explosion on offense hockey game. They have been very unlucky this year. It is okay to say they have not been good, but they've also been ridiculously unlucky. And if Crosby's fluke bank shot doesn't go into the back of the net, I do think the Rangers can kind of utilize that win and propel themselves forward. And instead what we have is even more questions – um, a one five and one start, and as much as everybody's going to bring up the team going sixteen and eighteen the year they won the Stanley Cup, you can absolutely fall out of a playoff spot in October. Elliot Friedman did uh, a little bit of math a couple of years ago: the three point rule that you need to be within three points of a playoff spot at the end of October, or maybe like the middle of November in order to have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. And since the lockout, only three teams have broken that rule because with the three point games, it is so hard to pick up ground on your opponents. And the Rangers are at a serious risk of falling out of that safe zone. 
And that should alarm almost everybody. Alarm bells should be ringing everywhere. Because as things stand right now, the senators are, and it's so stupid that we're talking about this, they're in the final wild card spot with eight points. The Rangers have three. And the Rangers have played more games. So, I don't know. How concerned are you about this start, Mike? I I don't know. Like, uh, to touch on something you said with that second period, it was great to see the power play deliver, especially on Sidney Crosby when he was complaining to the ref after breaking sweet poor Jimmy Vesey's nose. But uh, Did he break the his goals nose? are still coming. Well, it looked, you know, he was gushing from both nostrils. It was not wonderful. But uh, the point is he was complaining about the high stick call because he felt his stick rode up VC's stick. But meanwhile, you know, VC is bleeding out of both nostrils. And, you know, Jim Ramsey is putting those weird little nose pluggy things up there. But uh, the thing I, I wanted to say... Ball. No, they're like uh, cylindrical. Mm, Cotton cylinders? Miniature tampon-like devices. Anyway, um, but the the goals... Oh, my God. There goes Stanley. Um, (laughs) The goals are not coming at even strength, and that's, I think, a huge cause for concern. With that being said, I... And you said this, Joe on Twitter, but I because I'm smart. cannot believe how snake bitten Rick Nash is. It's, it's gotten to the point where I, I it's like, yeah, it's like parody now. It's, it's just unbelievable. But, uh, you know, if, well, every if time you think some, he can't fall any deeper in the snake bitten crevasse, he falls deeper yeah, into unreal. the snake bitten crevasse. Yeah. It's, it's like he can't, if, have any of you ever watched, uh, either of you ever watched 30 Rock with Alec Baldwin yeah. when he, like, loses his title and he tells Liz Lemon that he needs to dig deeper into the crevasse and that's, like, his goal? Mm-hmm. Like, he has to go to the bottom to find his way to get back to the top, only it's not funny because Rick Nash is actually, like, he hit the post. He did two unbelievable power moves and hit the post twice. I don't mean to override you, Mike, because you're making a good point, but I'm just saying, the people who have an issue with, with Rick Nash, I get it. But he really is the most snake-bitten scorer I think I've ever seen in my life. I think the one yeah, where it's... he ended up lying in front of the crease with a penguin on his back after reversing and doing yeah, a backhand. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a picture of a man with bad luck right there. Yeah, that's the that inescapable. Luck. Like, what more does he have to do to have one bounce go his way? But he's now sitting at 29 shots without a goal. And for some context, Zabinajad has five goals on 31 shots. So, you know, that's the difference between someone who's, you know, shooting hot and someone who just cannot buy a goal. And Kreider, who also doesn't have a goal, has 10 fewer shots than the Nash in, you know, the same amount of games and pretty close ice time, actually a little bit more than Nash. But, uh, it's it's definitely a weird thing with this team is you get the feeling that we really haven't seen the best of them because, you know, Zabinajad is smoldering hot, but no one else is really, you know, kind of punching above their weight. I mean, Shattenkirk 
just in terms of his point production has been great, but it also feels like we really haven't seen the best of him. Although I did really love when he decided to piggyback ride that penguin who went into Hank. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking, but it was definitely the comic relief I needed in that game. He just kind of, he didn't, he already quasi fought Malkin, which was great in and of itself. And then he's just, it was like a koala trying to grab a falling tree. But uh, yeah, I would I would say it is time to worry. The fact that it's one five and one is a big deal. The fact that they're one and four, one what is it now one four and one at home one at home is a huge one. deal. Oh, at home at home at home. Yeah, it's just there's ve- there's no way you can cut this and for it not to look like a like a giant turd. I mean, this is an <laughs> awful start. And it could prove to be a disastrous start in a couple of months. Beth? Uh, I keep trying to console myself by remembering all those games they won at the beginning of the season in 2015-2016 and all those goals that got scored and knowing it would come back down to earth but thinking, you know, I mean, how... How bad could it be if the streak is this hot at the beginning and we all know how bad it got? So maybe this will be the opposite of that. I'm kind of hoping a little bit. I don't know. I have to hope for something or else I can't watch the games. I mean, I don't know. Last night I did feel like I was watching a Rangers game. I got into it. I got excited. They were amazing. They were terrible. Last night to me looked like normal Rangers schizophrenia and Sidney Crosby being Sidney Crosby. Um, but we have to put it in the context of, you know, the four other losses and no only one win, and then it looks like part of the narrative. Um, but as dark as my uh, Oracle predictions usually are, I have to say that, that things looked better, I thought, last night. Um than they had in a while. I don't quite know why, but I mean, they were, the offense was putting a lot, there were some great shifts. They were putting a lot of pressure on that second period. There were times when it was, you know, we didn't see Hank in the frame on the TV for minutes at a time. They were just down there. Um, And of course the puck just didn't go in because Rangers, but um, if we see more like that, I think they're capable of pulling out of this hole. But I mean, I assume we're going to talk about Buchnevich as a fourth liner, so oh, I won't God. be the one. Yeah, yeah so you brought up a, a very, very sensitive issue for me. I mean, just to get to your something that you said, I think you saw. I might have mentioned this before. Maybe the best this Rangers team can be against Pittsburgh, and it, and it was pretty much just the fact that the New York Rangers have the ability to go out there and dominate good teams. And we haven't seen that, but we saw it for uh, at least a piece of the game against the Penguins where the New York Rangers just controlled that game. And there was opportunities to go up by more than a goal. Obviously that would have been really preferable, uh, especially towards the end. The five on three was an absolute disaster and there's, there's no way around that, but the benefit the Rangers have right now that a lot of people are overlooking because of the slow start is the power play. 
the Rangers power play has been so good that it's breathing life into this disastrous start to the offense. And two goals last night came on the power play and ended up giving the Rangers a tie game and then gave them the lead that they, that they inevitably flew. But you are seeing what they can be. The problem is you don't have a ton of time to figure it out because if the Rangers, if somebody asked me on Twitter today, I think um, at what point would we see actual change with Vigneault? And my response was if at the end of October, the Rangers don't have four wins. So there's six games left and the Rangers have one win. If they don't have four wins, I think you're going to see something. I don't know what that something is going to be. I would like to think that it's Vigneault getting fired. Um, Lord knows I don't think he belongs where he is right now as is, probably for the past year and a half. But that's kind of where I think the Mason-Dixon line is going to be. That if the Rangers are not steadying the ship, there's going to be serious problems. And I agree with you, Beth. I was into that game yesterday I thought the Rangers were steadying the ship. They were going in the right direction. Miller had three points. Buchnevich had a goal. Shattenkirk had an assist. D'Angelo had an assist. And in the most unlikely of scenarios, Ryan McDonough was sort of the problem. And as much as you don't want to necessarily look at his overtime turnover, which was Girardi-level bad, like that Ovechkin play where Girardi just threw the puck to Ovechkin, he was wide open in front, and he scored. McDonough has not looked good all year. And you could make, I think I wrote, a, or I'm going to write this in the story that's going up tomorrow about, oh no, maybe I did write it today in the notes. Um, you can make an argument that the lack of cohesive partner has caused an issue with McDonough's chemistry, but there is nobody on this team that he's played with that was worse than Girardi last year. And maybe you can make the argument that he at least knew what Girardi was, but he has looked really bad. And that is an enormous problem. And I'm wondering if there's as much panic on your end about that as there probably is through the organization and through the fan base. Beth, I'll let you start this one since I've put Mike on the spot twice. And you saw McDonough once, right, with his baby or something at a Dunkin' Donuts event? <laughs> no, there was no baby. Um, oh, that was Nash. Nash I had the baby. Nash had the baby, yes. McDonough had a baby, but he did not bring it to the event. Um are we just talking about babies? What was the question? Um, it was about whether or not you're worried about McDonough's really horrendous start. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about him because, well, I mean, I always worry about him a little bit because I think I said like two podcasts ago that, I mean, usually when he's out there, it's probably just he's just got a, you know, resting miserable face when he's on the ice. Um but yeah, I'd, I'd actually seen him in preseason sort of looking a little more chipper than that. And now he's de definitely back to resting miserable, if not a uh, resting suicidal face. Um, and in terms of his play, I mean, I don't know what it is. If it's just his hairs getting shaken up, if he really thought that, you know, finally it was going to be him and Shattenkirk and he was going to get to have the chances he deserves to have for the kind of player that he is. Um Maybe he's negotiating shit in the room with the, I mean, who even knows, but I just know he looks like mid season ulcer as opposed to six game in ulcer. Um, and, you know, it, and it usually, no matter how bad he looked, it usually didn't manifest in his play. But if that's what we're seeing, I mean, isn't there talk that he's hurt possibly? 
Didn't I see something I about know. that today? I never know if, if those rumors are true or if they're people hoping that it's true. Because you saw the same thing with Smith and everybody asked that question about Lundquist. So until I know, I, I'm going to say no. But, I mean, um, he at McDonough is more consistent than the average bear. Um, bear, when it comes to normal bears, McDonough is definitely more bear. consistent. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about so many things right now that, you know. <laughs> and, yes, McDonough has added himself to the list, but he, he's not he's down there a ways. Well, I don't I know, even, Mike. I, I, don't, I don't ask the question to – I guess, attack him or say he needs to be gone. It's more a question oh, no. of in, with, with everything. Well, I, I know you understand, but I have to clarify because some people like to assume the worst. Um, <laughs> as much as we can look at Nash maybe not scoring as much as he should be, Kreider not having a goal yet, Grabner coming down to earth, which we told you was going to happen, um, I don't think the Rangers can really handle a year-long McDonough struggle. Um, it would be very similar to dealing with a year-long Lundqvist struggle. And McDonough is that important to the team. And maybe not as important as it would have been if Girardi were still here getting top-line minutes. But there is a lot to be desired for McDonough's game right now. And it, when you see Tony D'Angelo bailing him out of mistakes – it's an eye-opening experience, and it's not something that we're used to. And uh, I don't think anybody was really ready for it. So, yeah, Mike, did you have thoughts on this? I think it's this is a sort of thing we didn't at all expect. And there's so many things already worth scratching your head about and getting nervous about with the defense and particularly the pairs and why stall is with Shattenkirk. And, you know, we could talk in circles, but, you know, McDonough didn't practice today, which is almost certainly just a maintenance day and maybe just uh, Vino's way of, yeah. And maybe it was just Vino's way of, you know, giving him a break from whatever the hell is going on with them. But, those are not the sort of mistakes we want or expect to see from him. He's supposed to be the guy who's immune to that Girardi-itis, you know, the, the forcing passes in front of the net. I mean, he did it twice. One turnover to Kessel, and in the first period, he had another one to Crosby, of all people. It just You can't make those mistakes, and you really can't make those mistakes against the Penguins. And you're really, really can't make those mistakes when guys like Kessel and Crosby are on the ice. I think it's, it is definitely something to keep an eye on. I'd like to think we'll see him bounce back just like I would like to think that eventually whatever hockey gods Rick Nash has cursed will forgive him uh, once he's done with this Herculean trial that he's on right now. But uh, it is, it's, with a team that has like a one five and one record and, you know, with Bob McKenzie apparently saying things about the Rangers considering moving Nash at the deadline, if things are not going well, and we're asking things like, Hey, 
is Vino on the hot seat, and we're seeing you know members of the media, you know, kind of make light of the you know the very vocal criticism of the head coach. It's one of those things where Ryan McDonough playing shitty is just one more reason that the start is just a big giant headache. And uh, it's one of those, it's like, why is this a problem? This can't be a problem. You know, it's, it's okay that, you know, guys like Kreider and Nash haven't scored yet because they've looked good. And, you know, Kreider certainly has had his share of kind of dopey penalties and making some of the old mistakes that he used to make, like for whatever reason, not going to the net like we Beth talked about so much last season. But uh, when your captain is making mistakes like the mistakes McDonough has been making, it's I'm hoping that just the day off for the uh, off of practice will be all he needs. You know, I wrote before the Penguins game, maybe there's something going on in the locker room with Stepan and Girardi gone now with something to that leadership core changing but I didn't say this in the article but in my head it's Rick Nash is there Matt Zuccarello is there McDonough is still there you know even even Mark Stahl is there it's there this leadership shouldn't be a problem for guys who have been through the motions this much but maybe there is something to be said about you know maybe this group of guys has gone as far as it can go and it's it's kind of showing in their exhaustion and maybe this group specifically has gone as far as they can go with this coach. But the problem is I don't think we'll really find out until October's over. And by then, as you alluded to Joe, with that data from Friedman, like it might be too late, you know, it, it, it might be a little too late. I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, and that's the other question. How long are they willing to sit on, this decision, right? How long are they willing to say, uh, we're going to wait and see? I think the, the terminology that Bob McKenzie used when he was talking about the Rangers believing that they can uh, kind of get out of this slump is there's plenty of runway left. But I don't believe that to be the case. There isn't that much runway left. The, the Rangers very simply don't have the ability to just throw away October and then jump into November and say, okay, we're going to figure things out now. You can do that with a 500 record. Let's, let's throw something else out here now. I think the Rangers are playing 12 games or so in October. Everybody, no more than that, 13, everybody would have freaked out at the beginning of the year if we said the Rangers are going to be 5-8, and eight, right? The Rangers are going to be 5-8 and eight at the end of October. Everybody freaked out, or you would freak out if I told you that. Right now, you would sign on the dotted line to be 5-8. and eight. And at the end of October, and that is not something that people anticipated. I don't think that's something the Rangers themselves anticipated. Um, I'm going to bring it back to Vigneault a minute here. I think you really can't blame him for the way the Rangers lost last night, but you also can't say the Rangers deserved to win that game because Henrik Lundqvist was a monster in the first period when a two nothing Penguins lead could have easily been a six nothing Penguins lead. Playing Buchnevich on the fourth line. D'Arnais playing on the second power play unit. Heedle getting sent down. The Rangers not really having an option at center. That's a problem that goes up to, to Gordon's level. But what happens now? What happens when you 
sit down and you look at the struggles of this team because I don't have an easy answer for how to fix everything. The easy answer is the Rangers need to do things differently, and Vigneault has never been, good, has never been willing to do things equally or easily. Vigneault has never been willing to do things differently. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Um, and that's worrisome to me because missing the playoffs, I think, Beth, you and I had Adam on the show when Mike was in Canada before the year began, and Adam said, listen, if the Rangers fall down the tubes this year, it's not the worst thing in the world. Outside of losing Lundqvist, uh, another year of Lundqvist, you, you have your first-round pick. The Rangers are a young team. They can figure it out. And I, I still agree with that premise. But I don't want the Rangers to go down that road and continue thinking that what they have right now is good enough because it's not good enough. And McDonough's struggles have just been an even more proof that this team has some figuring out to do. And maybe he could play with a defensive partner for more than like 13 seconds. That would probably go a long way too. But um, I don't, I don't know, you know, where else to go with that. And the sad thing is Shattenkirk has been absolutely as advertised. It's not even like the Rangers brought a guy in and he's not doing well. I mean, he played the fifth most five on five minutes. Out of and, he's and, and he's fighting Malkin. And he's fighting Malkin. You're right. This is not a him. People and, it's just not a him issue. And this is where the frustration comes in because the, he's not being utilized properly. And at some point, I know we're doing our very best to not just drag Vigneault through the mud here, although he definitely deserves it. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that JT Miller led the Rangers in points. Um, I'm just looking what? up to say the Shattenkirk. Yeah, that's very surprising, isn't it? Shattenkirk is six points in seven games. He has come as advertised. Zuccarello has six points. Zubanejad has six points. And then Miller has seven points. That's bizarre. Um, you got to love secondary assists. Got to love them secondary assists. Uh, yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of reasons to be concerned. And I don't see a ton of light at the end of the tunnel right now. Um, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm, I'm being pessimistic, but uh, we've, like I said, we've played this game before. We've seen this before and it's, you know, we, we know how this ends, unfortunately. And normally that's not good. So do you foresee, actually, you know what, Mike, you had a mystery question. Do you want to ask the mystery question now? Sure. Uh, my mystery question is, imagine that I had been in Canada this whole time and I see the <laughs> team is 1-5-1. And, and Beth, your job is to tell me three good things that have happened or three good things happening with the team, which I think is the harder thing to do. And Joe's job is to tell me three things that are going horribly, horribly wrong. Who goes first? You can go first if you want. You want to do one for so one? This... Oh, yeah, yeah do, one do one for one. one. Okay, you can start, Beth. Uh, first good thing is Pavel Buchnevich is having the season we wanted to ha- him to have last season. May God oh, that's good. protect him. My bad. I hope he's getting the ice time he should be getting, but that sounds great. See, that's that's on the other. 
I was going to go in that direction, but I think that's too easy. I'm going to give you what I would consider the three worst things in order. And You're supposed to go tit for tat, Joe. God damn it. I understand, but that's what I'm going to go, and I'm going to give you my first thing. Then she'll go. Then I'll give you my – let me do this, god damn it. Um, my first bad thing would be Vigneault is up to his old tricks again in terms of deployment and evaluation, talent evaluation. Well, gosh. That doesn't sound good. Beth, tell me something good. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk is a good thing who gets points and <laughs> makes Ryan McDonough happy when he plays with him and fights Eugenie Malkin and sits on people who run into Hank. Wow. I hope he's playing a lot with McDonough. Joe, tell me something bad. <laughs> Mike, I could tell you with a straight face and mean it, that Mark Stahl has been a better defenseman than Ryan McDonough so far this year. Sweet well, holy fuck. Christ. <laughs> Beth, tell me something good. Even Stanley didn't like yeah. that one. Joe scared it By the right way, I, I, I want to I throw out there very quickly, Stahl has actually been pretty good this year, so. Go ahead, Beth. I, now, now, now I'm frightened. Um, Another good thing is the power play. Thank you very much, which is actually scoring goals, which it didn't used to do. I don't know what it used to do. It did nothing, but this season it works, and that is the last bright spot, and that almost fell out of my head, so God help us all. Wow. A power play sure is nice. Tell me something awful, Joe. Um, oh God, where to go with this? Um, there's so many different directions. I'm going to have to say the Rangers offense outside of their special teams shockingly cannot create any offense. That seemed, that would appear to be a problem to me. I don't know very much about hockey. It's a problem. It sounds like a problem. Yeah. Because uh, I'm going to now pull aside the fantasy world just very quickly, although there was really nothing fantasy about that. Um, The Rangers' lack of 5v5 scoring is definitely something that I'm attributing to luck more than anything else. Because I do think the Rangers have generated opportunities. Um, Another bad thing that I could have said – uh, while we were going back and forth is that Vigneault is forcing Kevin Hayes back into the defensive center role. But I'm not sure if that's because Vigneault is incompetent or if it's because the Rangers kind of don't have another option right now. Desjardins is not good. I mean, although, you know what, who could be, honestly, Hayes is not very good in that position. So it's not like there's anything worse, but yeah, I, I would definitely I would say that that is something that I find to be a little bit more luck related than it is the Rangers not playing well, because the Rangers have, you could make the case that the Rangers should have beaten Colorado, that they should have beaten St. Louis. Um, They, you could even make a case that they should have won the game last night, even despite the disastrous first period, the Rangers just haven't been able to finish. And that's another thing that we've, we've seen that movie before, even with Tortorella, but um I don't know, Mike, are you concerned about that aspect of things, the lack of that five-on-five scoring? I think 
There's a lot of big issues with the team. I would consider that to be towards the top of the list because you can't win hockey games if you don't score at even strength. Um, the Rangers are doing a good job getting power play opportunities. There's a couple guys, uh, Buchnevich being one of them, who I believe are doing well at drawing penalties. Miller's been good with that, I think. Um, but if you don't score at evens, and obviously there's a lot to be said about you know, Rick Nash right now. If he was shooting on an empty net that was a soccer net, I'm not sure it would go in. But there's – it's a big issue when you can't score at evens. It's a big issue when you're constantly looking to your power play to score, especially – I mean, the power play has delivered. There's no denying that. But this power play looks absolutely Jekyll and Hyde. There are times when – they can't seem to get to the zone on a five on three, like against the Penguins. And there are times when it's a five on four double minor and they score a power play goal on both penalties. And that was in the same damn game. And it just, it boggles the mind. But I think the luck factor is something, Joe. I also think that you could argue that the, the lack of center depth is an issue and the deployment of Hayes, is directly connected to that because I I just don't know what lens Vigneault is viewing Kevin Hayes through, but to look at his skill set, his history, and, you know, just the tools that he has, he's not a defensive center. That doesn't mean he can't be a very good defensive center at some point, but He's not a guy – the best thing he has going for him is probably he's very tall and he has a long reach. Tall, he, tall. He made – yeah, it's it's nice that he's tall, and it's good that he has a long reach, but he's not a guy who, you know, you you watch him and you say like, oh, he, he sees things developing before they happen. He did have a good steal last night that, that was, a, it was a pleasure to see, but it was like – once it was a once in a blue moon thing and he's out there all the time on the penalty kill and you know being asked to to play late in games with you know with the the game on the line and i uh i'd like to think that if it's not Vigneault that goes that the rangers find a way to get that middle six center that really is this pressing need we talked about it all off season long, it feels like, and all preseason long. And Dayarnay has been great, but he's not enough. And the fact that he's not enough is apparent all the time. And getting Adam Cracknell on waivers and playing him at center when I think he's more comfortable at wing is also not the answer. It it feels like that it's just not there was not enough energy and time spent on addressing that when the Rangers' best solution was oh yeah we'll grab Cracknell and we'll put him right in the lineup especially when Vinny Lettieri looks great in the AHL and he looked great in the preseason yep. I don't, I don't know why that kid hasn't gotten a call considering. Vigneault is more than happy to play musical chairs and put everyone on a merry-go-round on the blue line and scratch everyone, but he's but he's he not willing to put, give... He won't even put Buchnevich in the top nine. What is he going to do with Letary that 
would be no, beneficial. And that's that's and that's an absolutely fair point, and that's the that's the truth of it is that it, it wouldn't matter. It you know it wouldn't matter if you brought him up because he wouldn't get to play. But uh, it's still it's still an issue. I think that there's well, that the center depth isn't there. Vino isn't using the pieces he has available. Gorton has either kind of gone along with what his head coach thinks and you know, he's not he's not forcing, you know, Lettieri into his lap and saying you have to use this kid. Uh and you know, but the there's so much wrong with this team at even strength and that comes down not just to the forwards, but I mentioned it before, but the Stahl Shattenkirk pairing I don't know what the hell that is. But it's not <laughs> It's not how you use Kevin Shattenkirk. The place for Kevin Shattenkirk is not on your third pair. It's That doesn't do him any good. It's good to see Shea and Smith back together. That's a good thing. But uh, there are so many problems with how this team is playing at even strength, and it goes beyond just bad luck, I think. The uh, In the chat, Arch Williams mentioned using right now Grabner, Cracknell, and Fast as a defensive fourth line, and that is absolutely the direction that I would go in if I was the head coach. But, Why not? Well, because that we can't have nice things, Michael. Good. We are not permitted to have nice things. That's the way that this goes. Yeah, um, that would make that would make plenty of sense. We we've talked about enough negative things. I want to talk about a positive thing. Okay. Some would say a nice thing. A very large positive thing. Sean Avery wrote a book, <laughs> and in Sean Avery's book, he basically says that Henrik Lundqvist has the biggest penis he has ever seen. Beth, I'm going to ask you first. Are you surprised? I got to say I am surprised, although I don't quite know why. Maybe it's just that you don't think, um, you know, whatever deity you believe in would give that many gifts to one person. Um, you know, you think it would have been better used somewhere else. So yeah, I, I have to admit, I I am a little surprised, but you know, pleased, I guess. I'm not he sure says, why, but why not? In the quote is, I and I admired the fact that he was the most well endowed teammate I had ever seen by a considerable margin. That. It makes it so, but not even that, just to say by a considerable margin, because you're already thinking, wow, but by considerable margin is just, I don't even know. I don't even know what to, how to, and I agree with you, Beth. How many gifts does a man need? Henrik Lundqvist has everything. He married like a Swedish royalty princess. He is. The greatest goaltender of this generation. He's unbelievably handsome. He's playing for the New York Rangers. There's not a better hockey team in the world to be playing with. And he can play guitar. can play guitar and has the biggest penis ever seen. Ever. I mean, I hope Joel got some of the penis, too. You know? I mean, it, it would be really be, unfair. You would think for twins. That was handed equally. What was the movie um, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, 
Was it Danny DeVito? Wayne? Was it? Oh, was that? Was it that where Danny DeVito is the uh, like the crap, the leftover genes? Is it possible <laughs> that that's Lundquist and his brother? Is it possible? Well, um, I mean, Joel came out a little better than Danny DeVito. He he yeah. does. Although, you know what, Joel Lundquist is a uh, an SHL superstar, but Danny DeVito, he's a he's a huge movie star, so. I don't know. I love Danny he lives a pretty good life himself. You realize that didn't really happen, Joe. What? He's not a movie yeah, that, star. That's the called movie, a movie like, film. Yeah. Please. A movie film. Please. Uh-oh. Movie films are real. The Rangers are on my TV, and they're real, I think. Um, Uh-oh. Don't you ruin this for me. Joe is I still outraged to... that Babe Big Pig in the City isn't on the History Channel yet. What did you say? You heard me, Joe. I did, but I didn't understand it. I don't know what you kids talk it's about okay. these days. Um, it's because it wasn't in a movie. That's probably why. The funny Bye. thing is I really watch... I watch no movies. No, I really don't I watch I watched the Dark movies. Tower movie. It, it was... I cannot tell you how bad that movie is. I love it, Idris Elba, and I and I, I like Matthew too. McConaughey, but I did not like that, that movie, movie. That movie? Did you read the books? No, but I I know you've been reading the books. Read the books because the books will. God, there's so much. I hated the ending, but there's so much better than whatever the hell that crap was. Ugh, God! Now you made me angry, and I was already angry, Michael. Well, then I haven't done anything wrong. It's all fine. You've done everything wrong. You did, it, you did the whole thing wrong, okay? Beth, I have a question now. for you. Yeah? The Rangers play three games before the next time we podcast against the Islanders, Predators, and the San Jose Shark... Shark... Ooh. Boy, my shark... The shark... The Sharkity Sharks. Sharkities. How many of those games will the Ragnars win? How are the Sharks doing? Not well, actually. All right, we're going to win two out of three. Two out of three. Whoa! Whoa! Macklin with the optimism. Oracle has spoken. Yeah, but you you don't... You're saying a good thing. You can't... You don't speak good things. You're the one who made up that rule. That's not my rule. That's your rule. No. No, that's not my rule, (laughs) Mike and I don't create the rules. Your powers have been... We just know, okay? Your powers are your powers. We're just you reporters of, of your powers. Unfortunately, well, I mean, Mike and I... Win all but it was positive. You, your power... Oh, it, your power exists if you were to be like, oh, McDonough and Shattenkirk are both going to get injured in a freak incident at the same time. That's your power. You I brought us to overtime. To the, the realm of you remember that, Joe? Two but. out of three. I'm going to say... Well, we Joe, so, how many games? I mean, I'd, I'd like to say two, but my heart is telling me one. God damn it. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something else, too. I'm gonna, I think if the Rangers beat want, the Islanders tomorrow... I don't want something I, I I do think they're going to go on a little streak because that's just the way that 
Vigneault teams always these team every time that the the seat gets hot under him, a little run happens that kind of quiets things down before it's too late and the world's destroyed. So that's not really a positive take, but it's the take that I'm giving you because my name is Joseph and I can say things with words like that. Wow. Mike? What was I don't really care. Let's say they win. You asked the question. What was the You can't not really care. This is a Ragnar's podcast. This is a Ragnar's podcast, Michael. The podcast that we've created in part because you forced it on me. Oh god. Care. See care. I don't I don't think they'll beat the Predators. The Predators are just too good, even though they have their own center depth issues and they have a lot of weird things going on with them. They, I'll put it this way. They better beat the Islanders. But they if, always play down to the Islanders, always. I know, but they're already down, Joe, so they only have one way to go. <laughs> Deeper into the crevasse, Sideways. Michael. Deeper into the crevasse. Yeah, they will dig until they get to the bottom of this well and break through, and then we'll be in China. And the NHL played in China. I'm trying really hard here to connect dots. Uh, and Why the Kings played China in China. This? Because if you keep digging, eventually you'll get to China. Or so well, they just, say. See, I've never, I've never understood the logical thought process behind that because you're just going to dig into the core. Well, you'll never get past the mantle, especially if you're just all using... Right. Let, me, let me ask you another question that is not at all hockey-related, but I'm genuinely curious what you think. Let's assume okay. for a moment that you can suspend... Is the, is the Earth flat? Flat Earth theory. No, talk the, about earth that. Is, the Earth is spherical. <laughs> Let's pretend for a moment that you can actually dig to the center of the Earth, right? Just a straight line okay. down to the center of the Earth. Let's say Do we can. Do you believe that the moment that you cross the threshold of the middle of the Earth, wouldn't the gravitational pull throw you back through the hole and kill you? Joe, you're the dumbest person I've ever talked to. Answer the question, Michael. I don't want to answer the question. Because if you're right, so I know the way your brain is working, and it makes me just want to. You dig down. If you dig down (laughs) from New York, right? Theoretically, gravity is pulling you towards China. Damn it, Joe! And if you dug from China, that question. If you dug from China, theoretically, gravity is pulling you towards New York, if they're not, obviously. Yes, but uh, the problem is you're asking a scientific question of a hypothetical that cannot happen. I understand that, but I'm still genuinely curious what you think. Once you cross the actual middle, would you get pulled back towards New York? Because technically that's the – I have a theory on this that I just came up with if you're curious. No matter what happens, you wouldn't fall all the way through because the Earth is slowly rotating. So you would go downwards, I guess, and hit the side of the tunnel you're making and be perfectly safe. I would think that if you were right in the dead middle... Also, you'd be so dumb that you wouldn't know what was happening to you. That would be fine. Is this me specifically or a, a different person? It's it's you. But if Stanley's leading the expedition, it'll work. Listen, Stanley can uh, – if you're right in the middle, I wonder if gravity even pulls at all because we'd be pulling in all directions at the same time. So 
Maybe you're just suspended. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not a scientist, Michael. But I do think if you dug your way down to China halfway through, you would get through. But see, then you would potentially be in an infinite loop of gravitational pulls because you'd be pulled up and down. I'm assuming the Europe stops rotating, which would obviously be a huge problem. But um, that's interesting. Hmm. I'm going to write a letter, I think, think to uh, what's a big science we'll name? Right no. I'm writing to the New York Times. I swear to God. I'm trying I'm to make it to the New York Times. Their science division. Patreon.com slash Blue Panther, by the way. Joe. Yes. In our lifetime, do you think we'll see the Islanders move? Are you asking out of New York or into a new arena? Yeah. No more Islanders. They're now the Seattle tree ticklers. Um, I'm going to tell you no, because New Ooh. York is too big of a market not to, at the very least, um, do everything in the NHL's power to keep the Islanders there from somebody who sells television I can tell you that mm-hmm. the world of TV works what's off a metric called cost per point, which is how many dollars it costs on average to acquire a single rating point of viewership. And I believe the Rangers are around a one rating, which in New York is really, really good. And the, the sports cost per point in New York could be in the $6,000, $7,000 range. And you're talking about MSG probably has, oh God, 50 or 60 pods for commercials. So, and that, I'm talking TV revenue only. The NHL obviously gets kickbacks and the players get the kickbacks. So there's a draw from NBC and all that nonsense, you know, everything that makes people care about hockey. Um, I think they would be semi-insane to liquidate and alienate that portion of the fan base. I would tell you that if I was Gary Bettman, I would much prefer a team like the Devils move out there than the Islanders because even though their Devils are still part of that Metro, they're really there's not as much of a fan base um, and as much of viewership, and the money's really not there. But no, I don't. For that reason and many other reasons, I just don't see the uh, I don't see the Islanders going anywhere. Do you think we'll see alien life, Joe, in our lifetime? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, I don't know. I I think about this too. If if say that there are all right. So here's a good. I'll give you a really good example. Um, Neil, what is it? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson brought up an analogy that when you as a human walk in the park and you pass an earthworm you don't pay attention to it because you know what it is. It's an earthworm and you just don't, you That's don't not care. True. I pay attention to every earthworm I see. So he says, what if aliens see us and they think the same thing? We're just some lesser life form and, you know, they don't even bother with us. I would say that if space is infinite, I, I would assume there has to be something out there. But I also do kind of feel like if something was out there, we would have seen it by now. But who can even guess the trajectory of evolution. You know, you could have cavemen someplace. You could have aliens that are already spacefaring. I don't know. I don't know. 
So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say uh, that we would have seen it by now, but who knows? And here's the other thing. Trump is so freewheeling with his Twitter that if aliens did exist, the world would know by now. He would have tweeted something out. You think Trump knows if they're aliens? I'm telling you that as the president of the United States, if the aliens did exist, I would assume they would have to be informed of it. But by whom? By the people who know, the government. I'm saying if the if the government I think found, Big Pharma that's what I think if the, if the I think government Big Pharma knows evidence, all about the aliens if the government flat found earth. evidence about an alien knows what he's doing they would have to tell they would have to tell the president of the United States so like Bush and if Obama of, can keep secrets if I'm one of the rangers, that, if one of the rangers was secretly an alien time. Beth, if one All of the right. Rangers was secret, secretly an alien, who would be I the wanna, alien? I want to talk back to what Joe was saying. Because, That's fine, right, but just, in just give me, you, name one guy. Just name one guy. Alien boy. Who's an alien? Yeah, who's the alien? Uh, Jesper Faust. His eyes are too far apart. That is a great goddamn answer. Now you can say whatever you'd like. Okay, so we just had that nice little spaceship that was taking pictures commit suicide like last week or something and it took the pictures of Saturn and of farther than any so that's the farthest thing that we have any possible pictures of and mathematically of course there has to be something other than us it may not be life the way we think of life but I'm there's got to be some sort of thing that can do things out there there's no there's no way that it isn't just because we don't have pictures of it. And the idea that Trump would know anything about science that other people don't know is just I, yeah, not a political podcast. But, I mean, I think if we keep it in the realm of aliens, we're okay, right? Yeah. No, there's no way. <laughs> no, but I think, you're, I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I, I, what I'm, so I, what you were referencing was the thing around Saturn, right, that exploded. They, like, let it fly into Saturn and kill itself. It did its I, job like, and then killed itself. It's so sad. Who, we uh, who knows what the government scurries away? We have no idea. We don't know what they know. Well, so I, I'm saying that in the event that, say, 15 years ago, the government found out that aliens exist, I would assume they would have to inform the presidents or whoever the president is at the time and then future presidents in the event that it needs to be dealt with. Unless they kept it from him because he was, he's free-flowing with his information, which I guess could also be possible, I would assume we would know by now because somebody would call him dumb and he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, did you know that aliens exist? And then everything would have gone crazy. Because you have to assume if they know, if you're as a government official, figure out that oh, aliens yeah, exist, you probably – you would not tell the world because you don't want everybody to panic and go crazy – you figure what out, what you can out, and then you go ahead and you do it because the world would panic. But he would have to be aware. The president of the United States, whoever they are, would have to be aware. God forbid the aliens attack or something crazy happens. And I don't think he would be able to keep that information to himself. So well, I can yeah, say I, relatively, I, confidently, relatively confidently, I think they have not discovered aliens yet because I think we would have known about that it. I unless they kept it. They have not discovered aliens yet. Unless they but kept the secret from him. 
But not, you know I was what? not insinuating if, that he, like, used his own protractor and figured out where aliens were. Somebody would have told oh, him no. that information. My thought is That's if all. the aliens do attack, we'll be safe because they'll be attacking the wrong side of the flat Earth. That's what I think. I think that Scott O'Neill is actually – he was created by the U.S. government to give attack plans to the aliens so that when they do attack Earth, they just miss the net nonstop. Wow. That's deep. I thought that was a good joke. Neither of you appreciated that joke. No, I, I do. That it's probably the only thing that makes sense with Scott Arneal. It's the best theory I've heard. Um, I'm going to ask a question back to hockey. If Vigneault does get fired, do you see the Rangers going after a guy like Sutter, or do you think they just turn the reins over to, to Ruff? I Don't think know. it'll involve Henry Blanc with Brian Dick. That's what it'll I think. It'll what? <laughs> what? I said it'll what involve, to, to some degree, Henrik Lundqvist, giant dick. That's, that's like my just, guess. Of, they'll let it make like the decision. It's like yeah. the Yeah. They'll put oh, the wow, Broadway hat on it. And then... <laughs> There's a whole ceremony. You know. It's a big thing. Yeah, there'll be like a ritual with candles and yeah. like uh, traditional Swedish food and... Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. At least like the sorting that hat is hot part of a, something that's won something. Like the sorting hat, they just throw it on there and it just says things. Oh, you know what? Yeah, why not? All right, this is taking a weird we might as well sexual try the and fantasy term. We should try the occult because I'm not sure what if Vino could make a bargain, some sort of deal with the devil. I'm. I think it would be for the best. Maybe that's what's what are you even saying at this point. What were what, what are you? I'm actively trying to ruin the podcast, and no, I have. It been worked for a long time ago. He he's making a deal with the devil to do for the best. Meaning what? For the best no, of for, the team. For, for, yeah, for the best of the team. If he does things like you know, uh, all right, I'll sell ten years of my life, and Rick Nash will start scoring goals again. You know. I don't. I think the devil just takes your soul. I don't think he takes years off your life. You're you're speaking he, like you yeah, know a lot about the devil, Joe. He's in it and for the long haul, Mike. You, you sell your soul to the devil, Mike. You don't negotiate. No, there is no negotiating. Yeah, it's your soul for whatever it is you want. Hank's big dick will pierce the devil's heart, and we'll all be safe. Everything's fine. So That's we've now we've, we've waded into science, politics, and now religion. And it all seemed to have emanated from the fact that Tron David thinks Lundquist is the biggest penis he's ever seen on an athlete. By a considerable margin. That is the By, most yeah, that's the, that's the key phrase, Beth. That it that's really the is the key that phrase. A considerable margin. By a that's considerable, almost like an unhealthy comment. Yeah. Like, you have to see this, something is wrong. Like, are we talking like, the length man, of the chapstick? You should see a doctor. Because if it's if it's the length of a chapstick bigger than the second biggest one he's seen, that's just preposterous. Yeah. Chapstick. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of something small and cylindrical that would be relatable to all of our listeners. Yep. Wow. 
This podcast went yeah. way off the rails. We can no longer complain that Shana doesn't keep us on the rails because Beth Beth just let us do whatever we wanted. That's why Beth is the best. That's why you're the worst. Well, I've been sitting here thinking about, you know, considerable margins ever since Mike brought it up. So, you know, I was kind of off my game. Crazy. Would that like make Um, you feel better? Like the guy to like have that and be like, okay, well we lost tonight, but then you just sort of look down and you're happy again or like what? Is it that important? No. I Would think you trade at a certain point, at a certain point in your life, it be becomes nice. far less important. I think. Yeah. It's and it's World. also not good for everyday life. I would imagine. Yeah, it just <laughs> gets in the way of things. I mean, we were talking on huh. in our blue shirt banter group on Twitter once this came out. We were all very interested in this, obviously, and uh, the men were discussed like we were discussing that he had a very large penis, but like you really, it has to be remarkably small for it to really be a problem. And that's definitely something I think you care about as a kid going through puberty or you're in the locker room with your buddies in middle school and you're like, Oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to take my shorts off because I'm embarrassed. And obviously Hank never had that issue, but once you grow up, it's uh, who cares? It's no longer a measuring stick. And I, I use that as a pun intentionally. So, so maybe he made, maybe he did make a deal with the devil for something other than his life. Uh, and he, should asked, he should have asked for a Stanley Cup, but instead he asked for 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 considerable margin, and and that's why we are where we are. I'd be very disappointed to learn that Lunkle's made a deal with the devil. Hank's too pure. Although, yeah. when he was painted in gold that one time. He did That's look like some sort of pagan god. <laughs> like a yeah. brilliant, beautiful pagan god, but definitely like some sort of gilded demon or something. Like a fallen angel. Um, this sounds like as good of a time as ever. Patreon.com slash Blue Banter, where you can pay for this type of service right here. You can talk about aliens and penises and whatever else you want. Um, John J. Porter, Anthony Viola, Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Guy from Montana, Daniel DeGen, Eric Cohn, Matt Bader, George Lippman, Bob Kawa, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, John Reppy, Arch Williams, Igor Zatlovsky, Dan Carosi, Alexander Thornton, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kepner, and Michael Silvers. They all did the thing. Thank you, and everybody. Awesome. Yes, thank you. So you guys. Thank you. You got I want to, to finish the podcast with something. Okay, go ahead. Joe, which Mike. Rangers defenseman is leading the team in shots? On net or just attempts? Shots on net, and you have three seconds to guess, so you can't look it up. Stall. Beth, who's leading the Rangers defense in shots? D'Angelo. I don't know. You're you're both very wrong, but Beth is less wrong, so Joe's the idiot. It's Brady Shea. He has 19 How would you be less wrong? Because not only has D'Angelo played in only five games, but he has 12 shots. Stahl's played in seven games. He has three shots. 
So but she is the off. offensive savant. It doesn't matter. He has one goal and one assist you in seven what? games. You, it, that was a trick question, and I reject it. <laughs> I reject your lies. You, you asked me what would happen if we dug through the Earth's goddamn core. <laughs> Don't I tell did. me about trick questions. I was asking you a hypothetical. You, you know what happens when you dig through the Earth's core? You God strangled it as you though death. it was a real and question, said, but in hindsight, you. it was That's a trick happened. question. I'm just telling you're you right a, now, I'm just the way you, you handled this question process. Right, I'm holding you two down. Enough. God. Enough. That's, what, that, that's why I love Beth, because I need discipline, Joe. And you, Shana you would have let us fight for hours. Probably. But she would have never the whole time. You anymore. Huh? Stop. Stop. Um, it's like it was like sitcom fighting where everyone's screaming and you can't understand anybody. Yeah, that's the best kind well, of. Well, this is what happens when the Rangers are one five and one, and we don't know. Yeah, what, to what talk do we do? Because we, we try we very hard. Apparently. Yeah, we try really hard not to just harp on the same things because we know it's not fun to listen to. Boy, is being you stupid every week, and uh, when we can't say that, apparently we talk about. Hank's big dick and the flat earth and aliens and uh, babe, big pig in the city. What else happens? Lots of things. I'm sorry sure. for none of it. No, nope, I'm also sorry. sorry for none of it. Beth is everyone. Be though. good to yourselves. Yeah. So you there. can follow us at things. Follow the actual hub at Blue Shirt Banter on Twitter. Um, leave us like five stars and a nice review, you idiots. On uh, we like iTunes it. and Stitcher and whatever. Um, it helps Joe didn't mean to call it. you idiots. You're not idiots. None of you are idiots. Except for the people who are idiots. Um, I'm Joe Fortunato, BSB. Beth is Beth Macklin. Mike is Dig Deep BSB. You can also find Mike at Sportsnet? Sporting News. Sporting News. That was close. Um, and the Ice Garden. The garden full of ice. That's right. Not Madison Square Garden. The garden full of ice. All right. Well, thank earth. you, everybody. This was wonderful. Um, <gasps> I'm a whale. Beth is, oh, no, you're not. Don't, Beth, you have to I be like good whales. to yourself. You, well, then you can be whatever you want to be. Thank but you. But you started this, Mike. Good night. Joe, you're good hot night. garbage. Good night, everyone. We love you. Oh, my you. God. That was the most hurtful thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs>